We are back with OT on OTR with Saul Anuzus and uh, Lauren Gibbons and Chuck Stokes and Jonathan Osteen. Saul, you said the Republican Party was divided. Explain to me why former Congressman Paul Mitchell, your old buddy Jeff Timmer, and other guys are talking about maybe forming the third. Does that sound to you like a united party? Well, remember, it's a very small faction. I mean, you know, you're talking about a very small group of people who are very frustrated with the process, um, you know, and and uh, they're expressing their opinions. I mean, if they if they really wanted to make a change in the party, they should work within the party. I mean, you know, I came in in, in 1979 to kind of go date myself in the party. And back at that time, I think there were like 16 members of the state party that were pro-life out of 120 members of the executive committee. You know, fast forward 50 years later, and I don't think there's a pro-choice member on there. You know, so the, it evolves. And but we work within the party to, uh, you know, express our opinions, to get involved in, you know, the issues that matter and back the candidates that matter. So if they want to nominate a different candidate or they have somebody in mind who ought to be the leader of the Republican Party, my suggestion to them would be jump in on the grassroots level, run for county chairman, organize precinct delegates, uh, do what all of us have done over the last 30, 40 years in this process. And, you know, you'll be on one side or the other and you'll win or lose a few. And, and that's how it works. So Starting a new party is silly. I mean, it's not going to get anywhere. It's not going to happen. And it's it's uh, not going to be relevant going forward. Jonathan. Uh, Saul, so if if. Uh Former President Donald Trump does decide to run again in 2024. Uh, is there any way he is not the nominee? Um, I think it's. I think he's the guy to beat. Um, obviously, he still has a very loyal following amongst party regulars and uh, the new party people who come in under his tutelage. Um, you know, it's early. It's too early to tell. Uh, I think the fact that social media has basically banned him from participating um, is creating a situation where he's slowly fading away with regards to his influence. Uh, he wants to come back and do some rallies and get engaged. I think um, at least for the next cycle or two, he's going to be the 800 pound gorilla in the room. He'll continue to have a huge influence. But given his age, given his financial situation, given his business uh, dealings and moving forward, I, you know, I think there's a very small chance that he will actually jump in and, and run again. I think he wants to be a player and he will be a player. And I think there's a lot of other potential candidates who are Trump-like uh, and maybe Trump-lite in the sense that they're not as controversial as he is, but yet still give that fighting, you know, shake things up type of attitude like a Governor DeSantis that I think is very appealing to Republican primary voters. Lauren, you got one? Yeah, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the new redistricting process. Uh, the hearings for the public started a couple of weeks ago. Um, and and I'm curious, you know, what's the best case scenario for your party in this redistricting process? And is the party um, in Michigan uh, doing anything to encourage people to weigh in at this point? Uh, I would assume the, they're doing things to weigh in. Uh, look, if you know, we we went back and have, have had this system over over you know forty years of of reapportionment is always very difficult. And and I think when the eight poll standards kind of came into play, what some thirty years ago, maybe longer, um, they really took away a lot of the partisan activities. You can still draw districts, obviously, in a partisan manner. 
But if the citizens group really wants to be nonpartisan and if it actually takes into consideration things like the eight poll standards and other, other things that were set into place to basically make sure municipalities are kept together, constituencies are kept together and they take those things into consideration, um, I think it'll be a, you know, there's a good chance it could be a fair plan. The problem is all of us have a political bias. Um, I happen to be the most non-political, unbiased person, you know, on the show, but I still believe in Republican politics and have to express my opinion from time to time. And that's true with virtually everybody in this process. And so I think that when we look at a citizens commission and somehow argue that they don't have a bias. I don't think that's fair. I think we have to be cognizant of the fact that there are going to be people on the commission that are either lean Republican or lean Democrat. And we have to do our best to try to come up with a fair process that makes both parties and everybody involved feel like um, they weren't cheated and, and that, that the process is going to work for Michigan. Chuck? Uh, announced or unannounced, who would you love to see run against Gretchen Whitmer next year, who do you think would have a real strong chance of unseating her? Well, I think there's a lot of people, actually. Um, I love the idea of our police chief, Craig, coming getting in this race. Um, I think that, you know, he established one heck of a reputation as a police chief in the city of Detroit. Um, you know, we'd have to go back probably to the Millican years until we had somebody who could break double digits with respect to getting African-American votes out of Detroit. And somebody like Chief Craig would be in great position to do that. Um, there are rumors that people are trying to talk Candace Miller into running on the ticket. I mean, can you imagine a stronger ticket than the Craig Miller ticket coming out of Wayne and Macomb counties, uh, dealing with the Reagan Democrats and the undecided voters and, and taking their message across the state of Michigan? So, you know, I think that it, you know, that probably is 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 the strongest ticket anybody could even imagine putting together. And uh, I know that, um, you know, uh, Ron Weiser and, and Michelle Modica are talking to these guys and have been very deeply involved in that process. So I give them a lot of credit for putting that group together. But, you know, people have talked about John James, another person who did a heck of a job running for the U.S. Senate last time, built a strong organization and reputation uh, across the state. Um, you know, and there's some probably some other candidates that potentially could, uh, you know, evolve. But, uh, you know, Gretchen Whitmer has done a lot to put herself in a very difficult political situation. I think she has uh, overstepped her bounds and been probably the most partisan governor we've had in our history for a long, long time. I don't know who could even be close to that, uh, at least how they played the game. And uh, Michigan tends to be one of these moderate middle of the road swing states that likes to have people get things done, which is earlier in this, you know, in the show, you guys talked about how important it was that the House and the Senate and the governor are finally talking again. I think a lot of people want to see that kind of uh, bipartisanship. They want to see people get things done. Uh, they want you to stand up for what you think is right. But at the same time, they want people to sit at the table and have a conversation. And Gretchen Whitmer's uh, reluctance to do that, I think, isn't going to play well uh, in the next general election. You got a follow up, Chuck? Uh, will will the GOP candidate have to embrace the big lie in order to be a strong candidate within the Republican Party? No, because, uh, again, you know, we talked about what this big lie is, but the way the press uh, plays it out. No, I don't think they have to, you know, uh, embrace any big lie. I think they have to be honest. I think they have to say that there were some, you know, irregularities, there were some problems. And, 
you know, if you take a look again, what the state legislatures across the country and in Michigan are doing as well, uh, I think that if we have some reforms and clarify issues, um, you know, everybody's going to be happy that we have a system that works better um, and uh, they can move forward. So uh, I think that I, th I think Republicans are going to be in very strong shape. Uh, I was sitting on the Candace Miller story, so thank you for breaking it for me. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> um, if, if, if you were to talk to her, what would be your pitch to have her on the ticket since she says, I don't want to be governor, so why the heck would she want to be lieutenant governor? Well, first of all, because uh, I think the, you know, if you take a look at it from her personal perspective, you know, one, she's been a public servant most of her life and she's done a great job and is very well respected and very well liked. Uh, number two, I think the reason she doesn't want to be governor is um, at the, you know, at this stage in her life, I don't think she wants to get in the middle of the, being a CEO in the day-to-day -day operations of the state of Michigan. Being a lieutenant governor, you would basically be assigned some specific role by the governor have many more ceremonial positions and be a lot less stressful and a lot less uh, engaged than a governor would be. So in that regard, I think it might be a perfect job for somebody like a Candace Miller uh, who could, you know, offer her talents, offer her perspective, and at the same time, not have to dive into a, you know, 24 seven type of job that the governor really ends up being. So I, I think that, you know, I think from a practical standpoint, uh, being lieutenant governor is is a very good position for her to, to take a look at. And politically, I, I think she realizes the value that somebody like her brings to the ticket. Um, she's well-respected, well-liked. Um, she's got a heck of a base in Macomb County, has done a tremendous job, um, you know, in her current job and, and uh, also as a congresswoman. And so now you've got this person that's got a great background, good name ID, um, brings a lot of diversity to a, to a, a potential ticket uh, that would be very beneficial to Republicans in the state of Michigan as a whole. So finally, 50-50 chance that she'll say yes? I would hope there's a better than 50-50 chance, but I, I haven't talked to her personally, so I don't want to you know, speculate beyond that. But I would say there's a, you know, there's a 90% chance that virtually every Republican in the state would love to have her on the ticket and are begging her, whether it's personally or, or through you know, public expressions like I'm having today, uh, to have her as, as a next lieutenant governor of the state of Michigan. Salt, thanks for being on the program. It's good to see you again. Yeah, great to be with all of you. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks to Lauren and Chuck and Jonathan. Next week, right here, more of Off the Record. See you then.